to speak clearly and uh, just fill us with the Spirit today. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I, was, I kept waiting for like to be a rock concert where Jim would just throw his picks out in the crowd and we'd all go crazy and, and pick them up. Maybe we could storm the stage and pick up his picks for him. But So if I asked everybody in this room if you've accepted Jesus as the Son of God, that if you accepted that Jesus died on the cross, that he returned to life, that through this action that he, when he rose from the dead, that we have this forgiveness of our sins, that through that we also are, our relationship with God is, that is restored and that we have eternal life through this. I, I think most of you would accept that, right? You would all shake your head. I'm seeing some, some head shakes. You might even get some amens. might even get some hallelujahs. If D was in the room, I think we'd probably get an hallelujah or uh, something like that. But you would accept what I was preaching. You'd accept what I was saying to you. But you would accept that as truth. But what if you took that message and you said that to your neighbor or you said it to your family or you said it to maybe one of your coworkers? Would that didn't have those same beliefs as you, that, would, that you shared that information with them, would they accept what you were saying? Would they accept you anymore? Maybe based on what they said to you, would you even accept them anymore? My, my guess is that for a lot of people, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't accept you anymore. And if you started talking about other things, I I really think that they probably wouldn't accept them, or maybe you wouldn't even accept them. And to give you an example of that, I know that if I started sharing, talked about politics up here, that a lot of you, we would disagree. I've had conversations with many of you, and I know we, some of us, lie on different opinions on things. And some of you might even just say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with any of this, and you don't agree with us or accept any of us, and you just get up and leave, because you don't, you don't want to talk about that, because you have a different point of view. But don't we sometimes have a hard time accepting someone who doesn't think the same as we think? That if you don't have the same opinion, we, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to accept them. And should we think the same as everyone else? If we're all, all have that same, in, same common faith in Jesus, should we all think, think the same as, as everybody else if we believe in Jesus? And before I, you answer that, I want to read some words to you. They come out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. And I'm, they're not going to be on the screen, so I'm just, I just want you to listen. Maybe even just close your eyes or just listen to these words. Let them just, just pour over you. It says, The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. It's like I look in this room. Just many different people. Many different backgrounds. We're all different. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says... I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, 
How would you hear? Or if the whole body were near, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where it wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together with that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. So the answer to that question, I think, would be no. Is we are all part of one body, but we're all different. And all the different parts make up that body. On the screen, you're going to see verses 25 through 27. Let me read those to you again. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern with each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We're all in this together. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. As I said, we're all part of that same body. We're all equal. Then why, if we look around, are we so divided? In our world today, we're, there's so much division that's going on. And maybe we might ask the question, is it okay for us to be divided? Is it okay for that? And if you look at the de definition of division, it says the action of separating something into parts or the process of being separated. The division is a disagreement between two or more groups, typically producing tension and hostility. Can you agree with me that there's quite a bit of tension and quite a bit of hostility in, in the country we live in right now? Just even probably around the globe right now. There's a lot of hostility, a lot of tension. But isn't Paul telling us in this, these words in 1 Corinthians that the body can't function that way? The body can't function. If we're a body, we can't function if it's divided against each other. That we all have different parts, that we all need to work together, that we need to accept that each of us have a different role, that each of us have a different function, that we're all equally important, and that all the parts are needed. That if each part just insisted that, that no, you need to perform this way, you need to think this way, that we become divided, that the body's divided, that we create this tension, we create this hostility, we create even a standstill, that we, just, we don't even know what to do anymore. So we're just stuck. We're, 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 we're just stay where we're at. Like the world, I said, just if we think about it, lots of disagreement, lots of tension, lots of anger, lots of hostility. That you must support this side or you must support this side. That you must think like I do. That if you don't agree with me, well, maybe I just can't be friends with you anymore. Maybe I just can't be around you anymore. 
Now, you've heard this, this word or this concept that we've heard, probably you've heard it in the news lately, this concept of cancel culture. That where we, we just cancel somebody out. That if you don't think the way I think or you say something, even if you've said something 30 or 40 years ago, we're going to hold that against you and we're just going to cancel you out of society. We're going to pretend you never existed. We're going to get rid of you. We're going to get rid of that part of the body. Now, I, I, I see what we're doing to one another, and I can't help but to feel that we're trying to make us all that same part of the same body, that we all want to be, we all think that everybody needs to be the same, each part performing just the same function. And if you caught those words that Paul said, he said that how strange a body would be if we only had one part. So isn't it strange if we just think we all need to be the same? That we see each other not as different parts, but that we, s and if we don't see each other as different, being different, that together we form a whole body? What if I saw those around me that you aren't exactly like me, but we saw them as different as I am, but I accept you. I accept you. Those are three simple words that those words, they, they would make a pretty huge difference if we, that's how we responded to everybody, if we responded to each other. And our lives, at least for me, it seems like it's a constant battle for, accept, or for acceptance or to accept others. Because I get mad at people. I get angry. Right? Don't agree, and I want my way. I want people to think like I think. But and I'm not talking about how Stan, if you remember a few weeks ago, for, you, for those of you that were here, there, he talked about Christians in government. And I'm not talking about try accepting something that, makes you, that people say you have to disobey God. That's not the, what acceptance I'm talking about. Because we know we're instructed to obey God. But I'm talking about accepting someone that they believe in Jesus, but they just don't. We don't think exactly the same on every issue. Or that I, I accept something that I may like, but it, it doesn't require me to disobey God. And just to kind of refresh our memory, I'm going to read those out of Acts 4, verses 18 through 20. Just to the disciples, they're being told, you, you, sh you need to not do this, but this is their response. It says, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They're told not to do something, not to obey God. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They're not going to disobey God. They're still going to speak about God, speak about Jesus. That's not what, the, what I'm talking about. But I want to say some other things about acceptance. Acceptance doesn't necessarily mean if you accept something that you're not endorsing it. Now, another catchy phrase we've heard is people will, will say, not my president. Not my president. Now, to me, when I hear that, that means I'm not accepting this person as my president. But I, I think what we should be doing is we can accept them as the president but it doesn't mean that we endorse everything that they believe in. It doesn't mean we have to like everything about them. 
but I think we are called to accept them. Now, acceptance also doesn't mean that we're giving up, that we're just being passive, that we're just laying down. Now, the Jewish people, they accepted the rule of the Roman Empire, but they didn't give up their hope for a Messiah. Now, they misinterpreted the Messiah when he came. They misinterpreted what his kingdom would look like, but they didn't just completely give up all the hope. And something about acceptance, too, is acceptance is a verb. Acceptance is it's an active process. It's something I have to do something. I have to work at it. And sometimes it's not always easy. Because most of us in this room, I think all of us have relationships with somebody else. And sometimes those get strained. Now, God, he created marriage for wonderful things, but I think marriage is a good example of this. Because I know Kim and I don't agree on everything. And there's lots of things that I say that she doesn't accept. She's in the room. You can ask her after, and she'll tell you. She doesn't accept everything I say. But when we do accept each other, but not say we have to agree on everything, things just, we get a lot along, we get along a lot better. The body functions a lot better. Now, there's a term I want to introduce you to. Some of you may know what it means, but it's Pax Romana. Has anybody ever heard that term or know what that means? That's a term for, to describe the Roman Empire when they ruled, of this idea of Roman peace. It's the period of time that was actually before Jesus, during Jesus, and even after Jesus' time. And it was believed to be this, this idea of there was peace and stability within the Roman Empire. All across the, all the nations they occupied, that there was this peace. But this peace exist, existed for, but it wasn't really peace. And this, this peace was within the Jewish nation too. And the Jewish nation was allowed to continue to practice Judaism as long as they accepted the rule of the Roman government. But reality is, is the Romans, they didn't see the Jews as equal. They only tolerated the Jews. So this idea of Pax Romana was peace under submission, under surrendering to the Roman Empire, obedience to the Roman Empire. This was a peace that was given by force. So the Romans were not peacemakers, but they were peace takers. Peace was taken by dominating, controlling these, nation, these nations. And if you didn't agree, they would, they would kill you. They would just destroy you. So I read this book, and, and this is how this author described this idea of Pax Romana. It was that my belief is best, and I will stop at nothing to make you see that, even diminishing your humanity in the process. The Roman, Roman Empire didn't see those other nations as humans. They were less, lesser than them. That Maybe that's even why the Roman Empire could torture and even crucify people the way they did because they didn't really maybe see them as, as humans. They didn't see them as this group of people from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different nationalities, that if they looked at them together, they could form one body. Pax Romana was not a body working together like Paul tells us about. Not a body is saying that all parts are equal and all parts are important. 
They were not a body that accepts each other. And let's look at our lives we live in now. Let's look at, you just pick up headlines and you, you get the sense of that, of what Pax Romana, maybe that's a little bit of a culture we live in now. This book I read, this, this author, this is how she describes it too. It says, we have a desire for imitation peace and for surface level unity done with force and intimidation. A peace not with our opponent, but where our opponent is silenced. When I talked about that cancel culture, we, we don't want to listen to someone that disagrees. We just, just shut them out. She goes on to say, the problem in our current Pax Romana culture is that we're so busy talking about how the values of others are unimaginable to us or just, they're just plain wrong. So we haven't stopped to consider that they might be just prioritize values different from ours and that that's okay. Now, I'm talking about people that share the same values as us, share the same values in God as us, that follow Jesus. People that share with others, they share that same story of salvation that we do. Remember when I asked everybody in this room when I started, you all agreed with me, right? You all agreed with me about this concept of Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins. You all said yes. I'm talking about us in this room and, and everybody else that shares that same belief. But I just, I see that we have so much division, so many opposing views. So many people think they're right and everybody else is wrong. And that if they you're, don't have the same as I believe, then maybe you need to be silenced. That I, I just can't associate with you anymore. That I, I can't accept you. We're not accepting one another. Now, I do have to say something now. I want to say, I said Hope Center. I think we do a really good job of accepting people. Because I know many of you, and many of you, I've had conversations with you, and I know that we differ on a lot of things. But I look around and I go, I really do think Hope Center, we accept one another. We accept one another right where they're at, and it's okay to disagree on some things. Because what we do have in common is we do, we, we all accept Jesus and what that means to us. So I want to I wanna say that, that, that even of different, what I would call things that we talk about, that we, we do accept that. So I just want to compliment you that and say that I think we do that. But outside of these outside of this group there's a lot of that that goes on that i don't think we accept and this idea that i just mentioned of pax romana this peace we find is is really a way to that we take peace we take peace we find this peace by forcing someone to accept what you have to offer and if you don't accept it well i'm going to destroy you the like the romans did the romans took peace and it's really not peace, is it? It's not acceptance. In fact, the Jewish nation, finally, they couldn't accept it anymore either. And, well, what did the Romans do? They destroyed the temple in 70 AD. They just ran them over them. No acceptance. The Romans, they didn't accept the Jews. They didn't accept them as part of the Roman body. Acceptance was found when they took peace. But acceptance isn't found when we take, take peace. Now, acceptance can also appear to be found when maybe we, we just keep the peace. When we just keep the peace. 
Now, you've heard some of those, those sayings where you, where such as don't, ex, uh, don't upset the apple cart. Or how about this one? You just put your head in the sand. And this one I'll probably get in trouble for, but a happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> that we, we keep the peace by not disrupting the status quo. As long as I don't upset anyone or do anything to make you mad, I don't do anything, that there's just peace, that, that the peace is kept. That I accept that nothing will ever change, and the best I can do is, is just accept everything and, and do all I can to keep peace with everyone. I don't want to make you mad. I don't disagree with you. I accept everything just to keep the peace. Now, as a lot of you know, I, that I've coached high school basketball before, and every year this idea of keeping the peace is discussed because you have kids that are good enough to make the team, but they're going to disrupt the team. So do you keep them knowing that the peace is going to be dis disrupted? Or there's kids that shouldn't make the team, but because they're, they're, they're the way they make peace, they're, they're like good for the team, so they'll have peace. Or you have parents that if you cut this kid, the peace is going to be disrupted, so you might have to keep that kid because you, don't wanna, you just want to keep the peace. But what happens then is, is you don't do what's best for the team. You don't do what's best for the body. But I, I accept you is, isn't just me not wanting to upset you to keep the peace. It's really not, not the idea of wanting to have peace. I do everything in my power to not make you upset. That if you remain happy, that I'll be happy. But am I really happy? Because it doesn't seem to work that way, does it? Because if I'm just doing everything I can to make you happy, to not disrupt it, I actually am, I, inside I'm kind of miserable, aren't I? Don't we sometimes get anxiety? We're so anxious that I'm going to upset somebody or what's going to happen if this person gets angry. And maybe I, I feel alone. I feel depression. I get depressed. Or maybe I even get angry. Now, think of a bully maybe in, in school that you maybe had to face. For me, I w there was this eighth grader, and I was just this little second or third grader. And this, I don't know why I was the object of this bully, but I did everything I could possibly do to not be bullied by him. But it didn't work. I was anxious. I was just, like, scared. But no matter what I did, I was never accepted. I was never seen as his equal. I was never seen as part of the group, part of the body. I was just this kind of disposable thing that could be picked on, just tossed aside. And as I said earlier, just canceled. So keeping peace, I don't think, is really the answer either. But Jesus offered another way. Jesus offers something else for about this idea of peace. Jesus gave us this idea that we can make peace as peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, it, it says, if we've, we've, some of us have probably heard this before, it said, blessed are the peacemakers. This book I've been mentioning, it's called The Space Between Us, is the book that I, I've, I've read. And 
when I reading this book, I just got the idea that being a peacemaker is that if we're on opposite sides, there's a space between us, and a peacemaker will shorten that space. That sh they'll shorten that space, and we move towards each other, and we accept each other, making that space smaller and smaller till we can become a body, that we accept each other, that I go, I accept you. I know you're different than I am. You, you may think something, a different opinion on something than I have, but I accept you. Accept you, and you know what? Why don't, instead of me telling you what to think, I say, why don't you tell me about how you think? And maybe I can understand a little better that we're all part of the same body and that we just start moving closer together, that we shorten this space between us. And Jesus gave us some really good examples of this. He gave us some really good examples of what it means to close this space, what it means to be part of the same body. You guys remember the story of Zacchaeus? You guys remember that story? What was Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man, but he's a tax collector. He wasn't very well liked. People didn't want to be around him. He, he ripped people off. He charged their taxes higher than they, he should have so that he could get wealthy. People didn't see him as someone that, that you know, I, I want to have the same opinion as you because I don't because you're, I don't like you. But yet, let's look at what Jesus did. He's come out of, verse, out of Luke 19, and I want to just read verses 5 through 7 with you. Some of it will be on the screen. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He was gone. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Did you notice something? Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as someone not to associate with. Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as unacceptable. In fact, Jesus accepted Zacchaeus. Jesus accepted Zacchaeus so much that he even invited himself over to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. And did you notice the reaction of the people around him? Did you pick up that word? They muttered. What does it mean to mutter? We all know what it means. When we mutter, we say something under our breath. We don't, probably so people can't really hear us enough, but we mutter when we, we don't approve of something, when we don't accept somebody, is when we muttered. We, these people, they muttered because they obviously didn't accept Zacchaeus, but now they're not accepting Jesus. To associate with someone like Zacchaeus, that's just, that was unacceptable. For Jesus to do what he did, now Jesus was also unacceptable because he was hanging out with these people that were unacceptable. Jesus accepting the unacceptable. What about us? Can we accept the unacceptable? Let's look at another example of how Jesus accepted people. Luke 7, beginning of Luke 7, this is the story of a, about an immoral woman. It's a prostitute, someone that, that was unacceptable. And how, if you remember the story, she came and she washed Jesus' feet. 
She broke this expensive perfume, poured it all over his feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And this is the reaction of the Pharisees. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. This woman, was, she was unacceptable. And if she was unacceptable, I want to ask them, why were you at the, why did the Pharisee let her in her house? She was so unacceptable. But this is telling me that sinners, sinners were unacceptable in a Pharisee's house. So I guess, I guess I wouldn't be welcome there either. Maybe a lot of us wouldn't be because I'm a sinner. But look at what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said in verse 47. It says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Looks to me like Jesus accepted her. Looks to me like Jesus accepted all of her, and he accepted her just the way she was. He didn't hold her past against her, because Jesus doesn't do that. Because like I said, Jesus accepts the unacceptable. I'll ask again, can we accept the unacceptable? Like he accepted me. Maybe most of us in this room. He accepted us when we were neck deep in sin. The unacceptable. But Jesus did. He accepted us. Now the last story I want to look at is in John 4. And this is the story of the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And Jesus says to her, he says, will you give me a drink? To which the Samaritan woman, she goes, well, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How, how can you even talk to me? How can you even ask me for a drink? Because it, it tells us in the story that it says Jews don't associate with Samaritans because those Samaritans, they're unacceptable. Yet Jesus is talking to her. He's talking to her, someone that he shouldn't talk to. Someone that all his buddies would say, dude, like, you can't do that. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? You don't talk to those people. Those are bad people. You don't want to be around them. Verse 27, this is what the disciples, disciples are saying, or thinking in their head. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Now, they didn't ask it, but they were thinking it. Jesus, what are you doing? All these people that you talk to, that you go around having dinner with, that you forgive their sins, that's not okay. That's unacceptable. Yet Jesus just keeps on accepting the unacceptable. And over 2,000 years later, Jesus is still accepting the unacceptable. He's accepted me. He's accepted lots of you. The unacceptable things about me, Jesus accepts them. He accepts all of us. So maybe the question can become is, can I accept you? If I follow Jesus' example, can I follow you? Can I accept you? Can I accept you even though you don't look like me? Maybe you don't talk like me? Maybe you don't behave like me, you live like me, or maybe you don't even read your Bible like me. 
Maybe you, you like different things than I do. Maybe you have different ideas than, than I do. You see things differently than I do. So how can I accept you if you don't do everything like me? How can I accept you? How can you say you love Jesus if you do that? People that love Jesus don't do that. How can you love Jesus if you believe that? People that love Jesus don't believe that. How can you love Jesus if you like that person? That person's unacceptable. How can you be friends with that person? Maybe I just can't be around you anymore. I can't talk to you. I can't be friends with you. You're just unacceptable. But if we look around the world right now, isn't that a lot of, I, I just, in my soul, I just feel that's a lot of what's going on right now. But I don't see that's how Jesus showed us. That's not how he showed us to be. Going around healing people, loving people, talking to people, forgiving people, forgiving unacceptable sinners like me, like us. That we're all part of the same body. And what makes us unique is what makes us a body because we all have a role. Remember, if we're all different, if we're all one part, remember Paul said, that's strange. That's strange. And imagine if we were all just a smelly foot. I don't want to be a smelly foot. I don't want to. It's gross. I don't want to be a smelly foot. But together we form a body. Let's read those verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 again. It says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We're all in this together. Hasn't there been enough suffering? Can't we take step towards the other parts of the body? Can't we just accept one another? Can we accept that you're different than me, but we're all part of the same body? How about this? Can we become a person that other people mutter about? Like they muttered about Jesus. A person like Jim, Jesus demonstrated for us. A person that simply says, regardless of how different you are, I accept you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for just accepting us, Lord for just accepting us is, is a lot of people would say I'm just unacceptable. Maybe we even think we're unacceptable. Lord, just thank you for accepting us.